Over the last year, we've been looking at a book in the Bible called Isaiah, which is uh, a prophecy. And um, so we're near the end, and uh, we're into chapter uh, uh, 65 tonight. So one more chapter to go. That's next Sunday night, and uh, we'll have finished Isaiah. It's been great. Um, Through this amazing uh, prophet, we have discovered that God is bigger than we think. And he is holier than we think. And he is sterner than we think. And he is stronger than we think. And he is more gracious than we think. And he is more loving than we think. And he is closer to us than we think. It's amazing uh, to know that Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus. Yet he spoke of Jesus so often in his prophecy. And in fact, in John's gospel, there's that amazing verse in John chapter 12, verse 41, uh, where John writes that uh, Isaiah, when he had that vision of the Lord seated on the throne, he saw Jesus on the throne. And through this uh, prophet, we have come to know that salvation will come to the whole world. Did you know that Isaiah is quoted more than any Old Testament book by Jesus except the Psalms? Did you know that it's quoted more by the Apostle Paul than any other Old Testament book? And Isaiah's message is consistent and it's a warning but also an invitation. So we're going to pick up uh, from chapter 65. It's quite a long chapter but... As we do, we're going to read the whole chapter. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here am I. Here am I. All day long, I have held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations, a people who continually provoke me to my very face, offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense on altars of brick, who sit among the graves and spend their nights keeping secret vigil, who eat the flesh of pigs, and whose pots hold broth of impure meat, who say, keep away, don't come near me, for I am too sacred for you. Such people are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that keeps burning all day. See, it stands written before me, I will not keep silent, but will pay back in full. I will pay it back into their laps, both your sins and the sins of your ancestors, says the Lord. Because they burned sacrifices on the mountains and defied me on the hills, I will measure into their laps the full payment of their former deeds. This is what the Lord says. As when juice is still found in a cluster of grapes and people say, don't destroy it. There is still a blessing in it. So I will do on behalf of my servants. I will not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah. Those who will possess my mountains. My chosen people will inherit them. And there will my servants live. Sharon will become a pasture for flocks and the valley of Achor a resting place for herds for my people who seek me. But as for you who forsake the Lord and forget my holy mountain, 
who spread a table for fortune and fill bowls of mixed wine for destiny. I will destine you for the sword, and all of you will fall in the slaughter. For I called, but you did not answer. I spoke, but you did not listen. You did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My servant will eat, but you will go hungry. My servants will drink, but you will go thirsty. My servants will rejoice, but you will be put to shame. My servants will sing out of the joy of their hearts, but you will cry out from anguish of heart and wail in brokenness of spirit. You will leave your name for my chosen ones to use in their curses. The sovereign Lord will put you to death, but to his servants he will give another name. Whoever invokes a blessing in the land will do so by the one true God. Whoever takes an oath in the land will swear by the one true God. For the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives only a few days. Or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will the days of my people be. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call... I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. And the wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. I always kind of feel a bit trepidation now because these are amazing words and uh, uh, for me to to bring a message from these I'll do my best but um, these are the words of the Lord and as we just tease out some of the messages for us tonight we just need the help of the Holy Spirit so shall we pray Father God we thank you for this amazing man of God Isaiah Thank you that you loved him. Thank you that you knew him. Thank you that you spoke through him. Thank you that you spoke through him to his own people. Thank you that you spoke to him about your glory, about your coming. Thank you that you spoke to him about a new heaven and a new earth. And thank you that you speak through him even today as we read his words again. And Lord, as we just look at this passage together, we pray that you'll speak to us afresh tonight. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. God is closer than we think. Heaven is closer than we think. Last week, um, Edward spoke from chapter 64, bit of 63, and it was the prayer of Isaiah. It was an amazing prayer. If you didn't If you weren't here, do pick up that message uh, that Edward brought last time. And he encouraged us with the prophet to look back at the goodness of God, to look in at our own sinfulness, but to look out too for the Lord's redeeming and his coming again. And in a way, as we read this next chapter, uh, of course, Isaiah didn't write in chapters, so he just continues uh, to bring his prophecy. It's as if the Lord, through Isaiah, replies to Isaiah's prayer. And it's as if the Lord would be saying, I am closer than you think. Before you call, I will answer is one of the amazing promises in this chapter. And in this chapter, God reveals his heart of grace. And there are within this chapter also uh, the sternness of God as well in his judgment too. But there is judgment and salvation here He says in verse 1, as he begins uh, in this chapter, we read, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To those who did not call on my name, he revealed himself. And if you read the Apostle Paul in Romans, he picks out this passage from Isaiah. And he applies it to his own situation and the gathering in of the Gentiles into the kingdom of God. Those who did not ask for me, those who did not seek me, God reveals himself to. And, and that's us. We don't have that history. Not, I don't think any of us has that history of Judaism in, in, in our background, where we would have known the name of the Lord, where we would have been able to call on the name of the Lord. But he has revealed himself to us. And Paul picks out that Jesus is the fulfillment of this. There is no difference, says Paul, between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus is born, sees that the Lord is going to save the nations. He he is aware of God's promises. In chapter 49, verse 6, he says, I will make you a light to the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Isaiah was very much aware of that. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened to the prophet Isaiah, how he died. Uh, There is a tradition that holds that he was martyred. The Talmud uh, says that he was sawn in two. And when you read that list of Hebrews 11, there are the prophets that are uh, not named, but they are told some of the things that happened to them. One was sawn in two, others were burnt, others were fed to lions. And uh, the writer to the Hebrews says, the world was not worthy of them. But what we do know is that the prophets were persecuted. They were not accepted with open arms because of the words they spoke to the people. Jesus himself said, woe to you because you build elaborate tombs for the prophets, the prophets your ancestors killed. 
And then Paul in Thessalonians 2 verse 15 about the persecution of Christians uh, by, the, the church, by the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets. So there is that invitation that Isaiah brings that one day the gospel will go throughout the world and all nations will come. But what about those who do not call on his name? He has some stern things to say about those in his own days who rejected the Lord. Verse 2, all day long I've held out my hands to an obstinate people. They refused him. They walked away from him. They pursued their own imaginations. They even provoked him, he says. But God never stopped seeking them. Even when they sank deeper and deeper into pagan superstition, it's why they were taken out into exile, because they, they fell into pagan practices, and God's judgment fell. And here again, the prophet has to say, you are falling away from the Lord. And the Lord speaks to them about their DIY religion in their back gardens. They'd set up their own gods. They'd made their own altars. They'd even turned to the occult. There is a reference to this in verse 4 about sitting among the graves and keeping vigil through the night. And then there is the deliberate disobedience of the people eating on the flesh of pigs and impure meat. And that's why Isaiah was not popular in his day. Prophets rarely were. Because they confronted the people with their sins. And he says there will come a time when God will say, enough. Enough. And although Isaiah applies this to Israel and Judea and Judah, we could happily apply these passages in a post-Christian nation like our own. A people who have turned their backs on the Lord. A people who have followed their own gods, who have set up their own altars. And there is a solemn message that comes through this chapter that Isaiah brings. And when he, in the previous chapter, called on God to rend the heavens and come down, it is an invitation to bring salvation, but it is also an invitation to bring judgment. When we pray, as the Lord taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying for salvation to come to the ends of the earth. But we know that with it will come judgment as well. For God's kingdom to come in all its fullness. His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven will come when he comes again in all his glory. In verse 8, God tells Isaiah and us that he will save those who are found, though, believing in his name. That even amongst the rebellious people, there will be those amongst them who have not rejected him, who will be saved. There's that sort of wonderful line about um, there's still some juice left in the grapes, and so he won't throw away those grapes. He will save them. And he speaks throughout his prophecy of a remnant that will be saved. 
And Paul himself, although he accuses the Jews of rejecting the Lord Jesus, believes that one day many, many will come to faith in Christ Jesus in that great gathering in. So he speaks about his remnant. My servants will be saved. My people who seek me. And as Isaiah understood, as we have understood, as Paul clearly understood as he teaches from someone who was a Jew of Jews, the dividing line is not between Jew and Gentile. But it is between seekers and forsakers. It's between believers and unbelievers. Those who forsake the Lord, in verse 11, those who forget the Lord will fall under his judgment. And there's that appeal of God in verse 12. I called, but you did not answer. I spoke, but you did not listen. On our recent Alpha course, someone said that they'd never heard God speak to them. And I was saying, well, actually, he's spoken to you on this course. He has called to you on this course. How did you come to be in this building for eight weeks on a Thursday night without not hearing God say to you, I have loved you, I have called you. And we had the joy of seeing some come to faith on that course. But there's also tinged with that disappointment of others who walked away saying, well, nothing happened for me. I don't believe in that. Not that the story is over because we believe that God is continually at work. But those who continue in that rebellion against God will face his judgment. And there are harsh words here from the Lord. You chose evil. You chose what displeases me. And there's that list of the consequences. My servants will eat, drink, rejoice and sing. But those who forsake me will go hungry, will go thirsty, will be put to shame, will cry out in their anguish. And for us, that's the hard part of sharing the gospel. Because we want everybody to be saved. We know the Lord wants everybody to be saved. But people who reject his offer of salvation cannot be saved without him. It's nothing that they can do for their own salvation. It's only a gift from God. They will perish but not have eternal life, as we read in John 3.16. And then this amazing promise in verse 17. See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. That has a New Testament feel about it, that passage, when we get to those verses. And immediately, if you know the corresponding passage in Revelation 21, God says, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. Isaiah saw it 700 years before Jesus. What an amazing man of God. The best is yet to come, he says. See, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The old has gone, the new has come. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. And this is the glorious good news that we offer to all who would receive it. That this life is not all there is. The best is yet to come. The glory of heaven and heaven and earth coming together, being made new. Beyond the prophet's wildest dreams, but he tries to put into words what he believes God has spoken to him about. 
This new world for which believers have waited so long will come. It is coming soon. It is closer than we think. We're closer to it than we've ever been, aren't we? It's obvious. And God will make it. And gather all of his own into it. Renewed or recreated, we're unsure. Even New Testament writers are not sure whether God is going to renew the earth or recreate it. But it's going to be new either way. And that extra dimension of heaven joining earth. New heaven and earth together. And it will be God's dwelling place and we will dwell with him. And throughout the Bible, even in Revelation 21 and 22, where we have that description of the new heaven and new earth, heaven is not described often in what will be there, but will not be there. I find that fascinating that in Revelation and here in Isaiah, that new heaven and earth is described as what will not be there. The sound of crying and weeping will be heard no more. Imagine a world where there is no more crying or weeping. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no earthly sorrow that heaven cannot heal. There will be no more death, mourning, crying or pain. That's from Revelation 21. And that promised land will be the whole earth. Heaven will come down to earth and the two will be fused together in the wonderful recreation. And it will be so different, we cannot begin to imagine how wonderful it will be. And in it, God's people from every age, those who have confessed their faith in the one true God, will find a home. And there will be space for all of us. And then he talks about, I don't know if you heard it as we read it, that infants won't die. We, we live, whatever we think about abortion or anything like that, infants won't die in the new heaven and the new earth. And if you live to a hundred, people will say, is that all? Now, whether Isaiah couldn't see much further than that, and he's reaching for the best that he can think of, if you get to 100 people will think you've just begun. And some of us who are halfway there think, goodness me. (laughs) But we won't have those pains and things because we will be renewed and perfect. And the prophecy in, in Revelation is that there'll be no death. And they will build houses and dwell in them. No sort of drifting on clouds and playing harps. We will build houses and dwell in them. No one will ever lose their home. Think of all the people in our world today who have lost their homes over the last few years. Whether it be in Syria or anywhere like that. They've lost their homes. They've lost everything in the new heaven and new earth. You will never lose your home. You will never have to leave. You will never grow hungry. You will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Like in North Korea, everything that you grow is is not for you to eat. It's to be given to the authorities 
to feed the military or to feed uh, the leaders and, and all his cronies. You will eat all that you have grown. And then that wonderful um, verse, before you call, I will answer. Isn't that wonderful? Before God even, before we call on God, he will have already answered us. That's how close he will be. And it will be a place where God dwells with his people. No wickedness, no evil. Only the wonderful presence of God, unbroken, unhindered. And then again, the prophet reaches out for images. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. No longer will the wolf say, mmm, tasty lamb. They'll eat together. In perfect harmony, that's what it speaks of. The lion and the ox will eat straw together. There'll be vegetarian lions in the new heaven and new earth. But the chapter ends with the unmistakable allusion to the final defeat and undoing of the work of the devil. The serpent will eat the dust. You know that where we get the phrase, bite the dust? The devil will bite the dust and will be no more. Isaiah, I've, I've, as we've walked through this amazing book, I found it breathtaking that his scope, he can see what is happening in his own day, but then he can see the next mountain range and the next mountain range, and he sees right into the new heavens and the new earth. It's astonishing. And he cries out to his people once again, come, come back. How can you walk away from a gift like that? But he knows not all will believe. And God's judgment will come. But as we have said along the road, we still live in the last days. The Lord has not yet returned because he has more to bring in, more people to save. And so that's our call upon us as the church to be his witness. But let's be encouraged tonight that our future, our destiny, our hope and promise is confirmed in Jesus. It's yes and amen in Jesus. God is closer than we think. Heaven is closer than we think. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray together. I'm going to ask the band to come back. We're going to sing as we...